G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It is the Wednesday edition of 2020, a conversation you might like to join into because you'll be interested because we'll talk about our children and our grandchildren and what they're being taught at school. Big changes being considered right now that will affect our generations to come. The Australian education curriculum is under review For preschool to year 10, it is at a stage where public consultation is being sought. There's a deadline, Thursday the 8th of July. There's been real tension over the decades about what children are taught in relation to origins in school education curriculum. The Christian model has never changed. Let me just tell you what it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the secularized model has changed the way that children are taught about origins and teaches theories like the Big Bang Theory and the idea of microbes to man evolution. Now, along with the insistence on teaching evolution comes a whole list of social disintegrations like institutionalized racism, a censoring of science, discrimination in education policies, and a revision of history. And along with that, some 60% of those who grow up in church abandon their faith when they reach high school and university. Now, we're talking about proposed changes to the Australian education curriculum today with the head of Creation Ministries International. Dr. Don Batten is at the helm of Creation Ministries. Always a wonderful privilege to have Don in the studio. And Don is joining us. Don, welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good to be with you. Don, this is actually very big. And for some who are thinking, oh, that's just for boffins and academics to worry about what's getting taught to our kids, parents really need to be taking note of this. And while there's a consultation process, the opportunity's there, isn't it? Indeed so. In fact, it's only an advisory committee. This uh, this thing's an advisory process. But if no one comments, then what they've advised will become what happens. So it's important people get involved. But here we are, Don, aren't we? An advanced society and uh, everything's wonderful. There are really thinking, intelligent people who are leading the education curriculum and uh, aren't Australian students flourishing and doing well by world standards? Some will be saying, what has creation got to do with a 21st century Australian education curriculum? What are your thoughts and response to that sort of thing? Well, first of all, we are lagging uh, in our educational standards. I mean, that's been in the news. It's not not something I'm uh, accusing it or saying it's something that everybody knows, we're lagging. On international standards, we're lagging. And uh, and I think a large measure of this is uh, the fact that what kids are being taught about where we came from. Uh, they're taught their rearranged pond scum, effectively. Uh, they came from the, the slime. Uh, they're just animals when you die. That's the end. Uh, you know, there's no real purpose to life. You just, uh, you just exist and you die. That's it. I mean, it just robs kids of their their self-worth, their sense of purpose in life. And it's not surprising educational standards are slipping. It's not so much that 
the information's not there. It's just that uh, the kid's attitude towards why should I learn it? You raise such an important point. And early on in our conversation, the idea that if you teach an origins, that is, you came from pond scum and you don't mean anything much at all, mm. robs you of the aspiration for doing good things and being an achiever in your life. Absolutely, now, yeah. people don't often connect the two and they think, oh, somehow or other, you're just a motivated person and I'm just an mm -hmm. unmotivated person. But our understanding of origins actually affects every area, including how we aspire to do good things in life. Yeah, indeed so. In fact, it could be argued that the teaching of evolution in school is child abuse because effectively they're destroying children's sense of self-worth, their sense of purpose in life. Um, you know, the uh, level of uh, depression and so on amongst young people today is just horrendous. And, uh, you know, a lot of that depression is because of what they think about themselves, where they came from, what they're being taught in school about origins. No one seems to be putting two and two together to actually identify that that is the case. But we talk about, you know, the sickness of our generation. And just over this past week, uh, we've been talking about mental illness and uh, the challenges that that brings and what difference it makes when someone discovers God or God discovers them uh, and takes them from where they were into a new place with a whole new meaning and a whole new purpose. And that is, in fact, a remedy for some of the social illnesses that we might be facing today. Uh, indeed so. And uh, there's been plenty of studies that actually make this connection, but uh, they're not palatable, so they basically don't, uh, they don't get printed, printed in the newspaper so everybody knows about them. Uh, nobody wants to hear about it. So, I mean, I remember uh, talking to a fellow from Teen Challenge in Western Australia and he said that the government, the federal government comes in, oh, we want to fund you guys, you know, we want to fund you because you do such a great job uh, bringing people off drugs and rehabilitating them, getting them back into the community and, uh, you know, a viable um, people who are contributing to society. You know, we want to we fund you guys, but you can't have your religion stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this happens so often, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, when there is government money, then the money brings with it regulation, and the regulation robs people of the motivation and robs people of what is an incentivization for serving God and bringing people into a new experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, and the whole the whole reason that Teen Challenge is effective at doing what they do is because it includes the gospel. It includes you have a purpose in life. God made you with a purpose. You're not just a, an animal uh, with no purpose or no, no eternal purpose. Now, I was doing a little reading, knowing that this is an important conversation today. I discovered uh, one uh, academic paper that says globally it appears that there is a move to devolve power to individual schools and parents governments are actually increasing their own capacity to steer the system at a distance. Now, I'm quoting from a, a paper there, but this idea of uh, less parental control, less local community input into your school, more government uh, insisting on a curriculum from a distance. Mm. Have you thought through yeah, that so. sort of thing? Is that in your mind? That's the way the control comes. Indeed, with the original uh, national curriculum, uh, which was brought in um, of a mid about two thousand and five, I think it was brought in originally, something like that, two thousand five, two thousand six, something around that time, under the Gillard. I think it was Gillard government. 
uh, the national curriculum, when they brought that in, there were a number of people, and I felt the same, felt that this was a bad move, that, that taking the curriculum away from the state governments and centralising it was a bad move from several points of view, and, and it becomes much more politicised when it becomes a federal uh, con- a federal uh, co- curriculum. Same thing that happened in the UK. They got central government centralised curriculum, and by the way, this applies to all schools. So if you think your kids in a Christian school are okay, uh, actually the Christian schools have to follow the national curriculum. Okay, and the idea that even in a Christian school there's almost like a bullying that happens uh, from school inspectors uh, to agree not to teach anything against evolution in a science class. Now, this is, I mean, you've been red hot on this uh, for decades, Uh, this idea that, uh, that you can be bullied not to teach creation view, only say nice things about the evolutionary view. That's correct, and that's what this national curriculum says. It actually says that this is a draft, the, the rec- recommendation I'm talking about. It hasn't actually become the curriculum, but it's very similar to the original curriculum. Um, they actually say that the students are to learn the evidence supporting biological evolution. Well, what about the evidence against it? I mean, isn't, isn't science about weighing up you know, the, the pros and cons and the evidence? And as if, it's as if there's no evidence against it, which is ridiculous. And the other thing is, it says here, describe the evidence supporting the theory of evolution by natural selection. Now, here's a couple of things. First of all, what do they mean by evolution? And by evolution, they ultimately mean that we all came from bacteria and all the living things on Earth came from some original chance origin of life. Um, Now, they don't actually say that here. That's what they're talking about. And they say by natural selection. Now, Darwin, of course, was one who said natural selection explains everything, but then they discovered genetics. Mendel, who was a creationist scientist, I might add, discovered, discovered genetics and that the, 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 the factors which control the appearance of an organism or animal or whatever or plant are passed down from generation to generation. And the sorting of those genes, um, Mendel discovered this, the sorting of those genes produced variety in the offspring but you couldn't get more variety than what was in the genes. And so this is a crisis for the whole evolutionary idea because Darwin had this idea that natural selection could just shift things in any direction, whatever, and change one thing into another, and they discovered, oh, hang on a minute, we've got these genes that actually say, no, you can't actually change into anything you like by natural selection. And it wasn't until they discovered mutations in the, in the early part of the last century and they became the neo-Darwinian idea or the, the, uh, the, the, a, a new synthesis, it was called, uh, which included mutations. Ah, oh, we've got the mechanism now for changing things from one kind of thing into another. But then they discovered that mutations actually destroy stuff that don't actually make things. And to, to change a bacterium into something more complex or an insect into something more complex you have to add information, you have to add, add genes, add genetic information. And the mutations don't add stuff, they destroy things. So um, what they've done here, they talk about evolution by natural selection, and this was in the original curriculum, uh, the first national curriculum. Um, basically, they give the students lots of examples of natural selection, and I can give you plenty, and I don't have a problem with the stories, but it's not evolution. Because natural selection just selects from what's there. They have to have a mechanism of generating new genes. And they don't even talk about this. And I think if they did talk about it, the students would say, hang on, this doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't work. So they're, they're, they're actually indoctrinating. They're not educating. 
And this idea of natural selection uh, has some big ramifications when you start to say, well, that's what's happening in the animal kingdom. How do we apply that to humans? And uh, we've got a whole lot of issues that I hope to raise with you as we continue our conversation here. But just uh, before we take a little break, I do want to invite listeners to join in our conversation. You might have a question on 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line open, one 800 316 316 you can also respond to a question that i'm asking on facebook today and you have to think through this carefully Uh, the question says if teaching evolution to children fuels racism abortion euthanasia and radical gender theory would teaching creation have a different outcome Yes, you do have to have your thinking cap on there and uh, to come up with a uh, what difference would it make if I'm going to be talking about creation. Of course, if you listen to Don Batten, you'll get some great insights as to how you can respond there. If teaching evolution to children fuels racism, abortion, euthanasia and radical gender theory, would teaching creation have a different outcome? You'll find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Uh, Don, before we take a break though, Uh, This seems like a masterstroke that evolutionists have been able to detach people from faith in the living God. This is ultimately where there is a major, major issue. Exactly. And uh, there was an atheist at Cornell University in the United States, uh, William Provine, Professor William Provine, and he said, evolution is the greatest engine of atheism ever invented. Evolution is the greatest engine of atheism ever invented. And so the teaching of evolution through the national curriculum is actually teaching religion. It's teaching an anti-God religion of atheism. That's what it's about. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Dr. Don Batten. He leads the Creation Ministries organization, creation.com. And every time we talk to Creation Ministries, we discover that there are wonderful riches in understanding God's creation. You can also go to that website, creation.com, and you can access something like 10,000-plus articles that will answer the sorts of questions that you might have in the creation versus evolution debate. At Don Batten, we're talking about the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority. They are the people who are capturing the, uh, the, uh, the submissions that people who are listening to us today can make uh, when it comes to the review of the curriculum. Uh, what are you encouraging people to do with regards to this issue of creation and evolution? Yeah, so uh, get involved and actually comment. Uh, I think there are two major areas you can comment, particularly on the evolution thing. Um, One is that uh, it's robbing children of their self-esteem. So that's uh, basically it's uh, to care for children. This is not a way of caring for children. In fact, it's destroying them. And, And the second thing is to point out that the requirements of teaching evolution by natural selection is actually deceptive. Um, that the curriculum is deceptive, that they should be teaching the proper theory of evolution as today, which is, includes mutations that are absolutely fundamentally essential to the theory, and there's no mention of mutations in, re- in regard to evolution. And the, uh, the reason I think they don't mention them is because I know that if they do talk about mutations and how important they are for evolution, the students will understand it doesn't work. 
Is it the case that there would be a major backlash from teachers who love the idea of teaching evolution if they were faced with the idea of teaching a balance uh, and discussing creation? What do you think would happen well, if that happened? I'm not asking they discuss creation. I just want them to teach evolution, honestly. Ah, good. Yeah. Right. So um, this is just about being honest in the curriculum. It's not actually about uh, grafting creation into the school system. And that would be wonderful if it happened. But, I mean, I think our culture is so far removed from God now that there's not going to be enough support for that. But I think that I think even people who aren't Christians will say, no, the curriculum should be honest. It should teach children honestly about the issue, not indoctrinate them in a view by leaving out stuff that doesn't fit the view. Okay, we did mention that, you know, you might feel a little more secure if your child is in a Christian school and your child in a Christian school, uh, potentially they're exposed to creation uh, and understanding God as creator. Uh, Are Christian schools here at risk as well when there is a national review of curriculum uh, from preschool to year 10? Indeed, uh, all schools are bound to follow the national curriculum. So uh, and then school inspectors, as you mentioned b- before the break, uh, school inspectors uh, employed by state governments are uh, going around bullying Christian schools into agreeing not to teach about creation in reference to science. So uh, what some schools do to get around this is teach it in uh, uh, in RE or uh, chapel or religious studies. So they put it in there. Um, then the students go to their science class to get evolution, go to chapel to get creation, you know. But, you know, there's a terrible conflict there in the students' minds and when, they're, when they have to be taught something in the science class, which, but according to the national curriculum, um, that's what they're supposed to be taught. And just to introduce there, of course, uh, you know, you could be taught the uh, evolutionary science curriculum in the classroom. Uh, you have to go to chapel to get creation. Uh, for kids who don't have chapel, uh, if they're in a state school system, they've got to rely on the idea that parents would have their children in a church setting, whether it's a Sunday school orientation or a youth group. But there's no guarantees there that churches are red hot on the idea of being a creationist, is it? Uh, sadly the case. Um, many churches are just not on the page on this and they're leaving their kids to be eaten by the wolves, so to speak. And they're the figures you calculate about, well, 60% walk, walk away, but it's actually higher than that. Um, and uh, groups like Barna Research and McCrindle Research, uh, you know, the figures are at least 60% walk away from, this is those raised in the church, which isn't very many. Uh, so this is really a high attrition rate with this indoctrination in school. And this national curriculum is deceptive. And I think we should be attacking it because it is deceptive. It's not actually teaching evolution, even as uh, scientists who believe it actually understand it. Uh, it's leaving out the, the major mechanism for evolutionary change, and that is mutation. And mutation is accidental changes in the exist- existing information. Of course, accidental changes in existing information doesn't create new information. If you've got... Uh, a reptile to, to become a bird you know they t- teach that t-rex-like creature became a bird um if that's going to happen you need to add genes for making feathers and genes for making all the features that birds have that r- reptiles don't have so and how does accidental changes to existing information do that they don't 
and this is the problem. This is why they're downplaying mutation, I believe, because modern science has shown us that mutations do not generate the new information required, and so they're just focusing on examples of natural selection. And, uh, and that's very convincing because natural selection does work. I mean, ju- just take, for example, some beetles were blown onto a windy island. And these beetles that took to the air, they could fly. When they took the air on the windy island, they got blown into the sea. So some beetles were born with a mutation in their wing information, such that they couldn't make normal wings and they couldn't fly. And so these beetles that couldn't fly, of course, had an advantage over the ones that could fly. The ones that could fly kept getting blown into the sea. The ones that couldn't fly couldn't get blown into the sea. Consequently, that windy island ended up with a, a variety of beetle with defective wings. Now, here's an example of a mutation. It's adaptive. It actually helped those beetles on that windy island. But they're still beetles. They're defective beetles. And there's lots and lots of examples of, mu- of natural selection like that. But they're don't, not adding information. They're not, beetles aren't becoming something else. And uh, this is the deceptive way in which this is being taught. And the textbooks reflect it. The textbooks reflect the national curriculum. So the textbook manufacturers, they will actually write a textbook which reflects the national curriculum. So they leave out the mutations. They try to downplay it. We can appreciate this. Uh, I suspect there are people who are making the rules with the national curriculum who are saying uh, that's a deceptive thing to bring into the idea of a creation account and put that alongside or even introduce it even in any sort of minor way into an education curriculum. Wouldn't people feel like that was deceptive? What are your thoughts for, for that idea? that introducing creation would be deceptive. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what I suspect some people on that evolutionary side might be thinking. And well, in, fact, they, in fact, they they would even introduce it as, why would we teach, uh, and what some people uh, call, and you and I know, we don't uh, agree with this, but this idea of, oh, they're teaching fairy tales, <laughs> uh, that there's a you know God in the sky who created everything. Yeah, great, uh, that idea is is not far from people's thinking, the that, great, that, that great there's a fairy monster. tale. And the great spaghetti monster stuff. Uh, So, of course, atheists are going to say this sort of thing. Um, But um, and and again, I'm not arguing that we that I'm not arguing national curriculum should include include creation. I don't think that's achievable. Um, I'm just arguing that it should teach evolution honestly. And that's that's I think what people have to do when they make a submission to the national curriculum is say, well, I'll just point out that needs to be taught honestly. Teach, teach evolution honestly, which means teach uh, the proper theory of evolution and the student should understand that what mutations are and they'll understand then that, that evolution doesn't work. Isn't it interesting because we're talking about preschool to year 10 and the formation of what children will be thinking about science and they'll take that into their high school years, into their university years and they'll be shaped by evolution but shaped by something that isn't true, That's shaped by something that is has a, a fault line running through it that can't be resolved. That's correct. That's correct. In fact, there was a paper published a couple of years ago called The Waiting Time Problem. And you can Google this and find it. But basically it showed that with a human-like population, mutations, this is making all the assumptions that make evolution even possible, right? So make all the assumptions in genetics and everything else that make evolution possible. What would be achieved? How, how long would it take to get two DNA letters lined up? Two DNA letters lined up, it would take 84 million years. That's 10 times, I suppose, time since we split off from a chimp-like creature, according to evolution, 
two letters. What's the difference between a chimp and a human? Something like 600 million letters. And it took 84 million years to get two letters. Evolution is impossible. But this is the stuff that's missing. This is, they're indoctrinating, not educating. Evolution is impossible. And your opportunity to make your own submission to the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, let me give you their website. Acara, A-C-A-R-A dot E-D-U dot A-U. Don, let me come to some of the meaty, controversial bits. And even in my introduction there, uh, the idea of disintegration into things like institutionalised racism. How do we connect that which we are seeing right now to the evolution being taught in schools and not creation? How do you see that? Well, the idea of evolution is fundamentally racist. I mean, Darwin, uh, 10 years after he wrote his initial book on Origin of Species, uh, but the subtitle, that is uh, Hints at Racism, but in a book called The Descent of Man, he was very open about his views that uh, white people, Europeans, were more evolved than uh, black people and uh, they would eventually replace them on the planet because uh, of this evolutionary idea of survival of the fittest. Um, and he was quite open about that. And uh, evolution actually has been an excuse for abuse of our native, uh, our uh, First Nations peoples in Australia. Uh, going back in the 1800s, it was uh, even before Darwin, where there were ideas of the chain of chain of being and all this sort of stuff. But uh, but Darwin's ideas cemented it. And in fact, Stephen Jay Gould, uh, American evolutionist, evolutionist, he, he commented on this and he said that that Darwin's ideas ramped up uh, racism enormously, he gave a scientific excuse for racism. Now, of course, today scientists have moved away from that racist idea because uh, you compare the genes and genetics of uh, all different races, there's not much difference. Uh, so modern science has actually undone the evolutionary idea that people are less of, some people are less evolved than others, that sort of thing. But even the school textbooks based on the national curriculum, the one that came out following the last edition of the national curriculum uh, that was used in Queensland and I think used more widely in Australia, actually had the iconic image of a black ape evolving into a white man. Okay, we've all seen that image and uh, the evolutionary type of process uh, from the ape uh, going into various uh, forms of, you know, hunched over uh, uh, early man and then eventually becomes a man. Yeah, and just think about a couple of, there's been a couple of cases of this where in AFL, um, uh, black players, Aboriginal players, people of Aboriginal descent, have been targeted by somebody in the crowd, you know, even throwing, throwing bananas at them or doing ape sort of, you know, under the arms thing, you know, like this sort of thing. Um, and uh, Adam Goods was one, and he was highly offended by it. Mm. Now, if someone did that to me, I wouldn't be offended. But I'm not a black person, you see. And so why, why am I not offended? Why is a black person offended? Because they have got this image in their mind that black people are closer to the apes. And when people say this sort of stuff, it's, it's incredibly racist and insulting. Uh, so this comes, where'd that young lady get the idea from? From school. From school, exactly. From the curriculum, from the textbooks that black people are less evolved than white people. And it's subtle, but it's there. Uh, it's not in the words, but it's in the pictures. It's in the concepts. Uh, and uh, so 
Uh, you know, we are all made in the image of God. That's the biblical framework. We're more, and not that long ago. And so there's actually not enough time for any major differences in the races. And that's what, of course, modern science shows us now. That, you know, I said to one guy, uh, one Aboriginal guy I was talking to, and I said, do you think that you have different blood than me? You go to the blood bank, you, you, you've got black blood and white blood? And he said, oh, I've never thought of it. I said, well, no, you've got, you bleed the same, everyone, we all bleed the same blood, you know. You've, you get A positive, you, you could donate blood to me if I needed it in an accident, you know. And, uh, and as we talked about these things, you could see this sort of racist burden coming off his back as he understood that we're all closely related. In fact, we go back to Noah and his family after the flood, only four and a half thousand years ago. So, you know, there's just not the time for these supposed racial differences to be significant. Under the creation model, Don, uh, of course the question that I'm asking on Facebook today is uh, does it look different when you have a creation model to when you have an evolutionary model? And, uh, you know, I'm just aware of that scripture in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 which says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and of course, there are instances through the Scriptures where we can identify where racism has been present and has been dealt with. Uh, when we talk about a creation model, that God is on the throne, that God is the transcendent one above all things, uh, there is this aspiration to being one equally, and uh, and this doesn't seem to be there under the evolutionary model. No, uh, and as I said, evolutionary ideas have given uh, fuel to racism, and uh, even in our current culture we see this with this uh, racial abuse of these Aboriginal uh, football players, for example. Uh, so, But in a Christian view, uh, in a biblical view, there's no room for racism. In fact, Jesus died for all people, and not just for white people. <laughs> yeah, uh, he died for all people. In fact, he wasn't a white man. <laughs> he, no, he's Ga- Galilean Jew, Gal- which is uh, Middle Eastern appearance. Yep. You know, he was in between. Uh, probably appropriate since he died for all people. Yep. Um, so, um, so this is the thing that the gospel is, as as you read from Galatians chapter three, the gospel. Uh, adds to the biology and the reality of biology and says that in Christ, of course, uh, these distinctions disappear. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Graham in Cairns. Hey, Graham, welcome along. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Don. Uh, good morning to both of you. I, uh, I think uh, what Don said about evolution is very insightful and spot on. However... I do uh, feel that, and it is yet to be revealed by the uh, by God to us all. Uh, I feel that creation ministries in itself is a deception. I, I firmly, uh, I, I firmly, until revealed otherwise by the Holy Spirit or by God, uh, I believe that Genesis one is written rather. Uh, uh, it's it's a bit mysterious the way it's written and has to be discerned spiritually. And I really believe that uh, in the Big Bang that uh, and the wonders and the miracles, the wondrous revelation in the Big Bang is just astounding. It enhances God's glory even more to think that from uh, uh, the nuclear fusion, uh, the helium and hydrogen were produced, and after further uh, uh, pressures and heat and uh, 
all, all the other elements were produced. And that this is just a miracle of God. And I think in itself that uh, creation ministry could be a deception. But I think both Don and myself, uh, once again, it's to be revealed to Don, to be revealed to me and you, Neil, what is really the truth that I... At the moment, I firmly believe in that. Graham, it sounds to me like you've got what uh, they call a sort of a classical sort of synchronization. Uh, the idea of why don't we unite uh, creation by God with uh, what people talk about with a big bang and origins. But uh, a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a concern there that uh, that Graham has for creation ministries. Let's give Don Batten a moment just to uh, to defend that. Uh, well, first of all, I'd say that there was a time when I would have agreed with you, uh, Graham, uh, and I took the view that um, the Big Bang and evolution was uh, God's means of making everything. Uh, but when you think about the consequences, the gospel of that view, you have to start to think there's something seriously wrong with it. And because um, the Big Bang has one thing right about it, and that is there's a, there's a beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a beginning, and so it's got that much right about it. But the Big Bang evolutionary view of the history of the universe basically has, on Earth, for example, hundreds of millions of years of death and suffering and disease in all sorts of animals and then more lately humans. And all of this before anybody that could be called Adam or Eve actually came on the scene. And so God is the author of death and suffering and disease. God is not good. Uh, then if Adam didn't bring death and suffering into the world, why did Jesus suffer and die on the cross physically and then rise bodily from the dead? Uh, you know, so many scriptures, not just Genesis, you don't read Genesis 1 in isolation, you have to read the whole of the Bible. And I would pray the Holy Spirit gets you to read the whole of the Bible and actually think about the consequences in Genesis for the gospel, the goodness of God, uh, eschatology is going to be new heavens and new, new earth in the future where there's no more death and suffering and pain the last couple of chapters of Revelation um, if God's going to make a new heavens and new earth like that surely the original heavens and earth were also perfect as it says at the end of Genesis chapter 1 everything was very good so there's a lot in all this and it's uh, hard to actually just change the way you think about things but I would urge you to think and pray about the consequences for that sort of thinking for the whole of the Bible and particularly the gospel. Graham, thank you so much for your call. Let's see if we can squeeze in as many calls as we can. Janelle is in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Janelle. Welcome along. Hello, how are you? Very well, Janelle. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I just wanted to share an experience that I had um I was a high school chaplain a few years ago and I had a couple of um, year 12 girls come to me and they were quite concerned because they were Christians but they felt um, in one of the exams that they were going to have to sort of stake facts that go against their Christian faith. So I, um, I actually pulled out a couple of the creation magazines that I had there and gave them to them and then also just said, well, let's just see about how you ground those those statements. You don't have to say, you know, it, it's this evolution, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can say evolution states that, and then that way they were able to still answer the questions that were required of them, but not sort of go against their faith. That's correct, um, yeah. That's the yeah. approach you should take. Uh, uh, we've got a couple of articles on this on, on the website, and you've probably read them, but 
how do I answer my exam questions on evolution, or a title, something like that. Uh, I think Taz Walker wrote it. Um, there's a couple of articles like that. And, and basically, when you're doing exams or assignments and things, uh, you are supposed to answer the questions according to the, what the teachers taught you or according to what the courses taught you. It's not your personal beliefs uh, that you're sharing. You're sharing uh, the, the uh, information you've been taught. And so that's what the exam's about. That's what the assignment's about. And you're not, you're not therefore... Uh, singeing your conscience by answering those things in that way. Yeah, yeah no, that's... <laughs> okay, Thank, thanks, thanks, Janelle. That's a good point, and I hope that any students out there or mums and dads out there that have their kids in school can take that on board and encourage them to think, to know that they're not, they're not being unfaithful to, to God by answering the questions according to what the teacher wants. Okay, Janelle, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Cindy is in Wangaratta in Victoria. Hi, Cindy. Welcome. Hello. Uh, i got two questions. Um, with the COVID, is that Earth's way of keeping the population down? Because it happened 100 years ago as well. And the second one is, did God make aliens and dinosaur bones on other planets? Okay, there's a couple of hours to answer those questions, Don. Uh, let's start with, uh, with COVID, uh, nature's way of keeping population down. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, that uh, at, at, attributes nature with, with uh, volition or ability to think or ability... Personality. Personality, yes, which, of course, there's no evidence that nature has such a personality. It's, that's more of a pantheistic idea. Um. So I don't really think that follows. Uh, the question about dinosaurs and aliens and other planets, well, of course, there's zero evidence that such a thing exists. So uh, <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think there's any such thing on other planets and uh, there's no evidence that they do exist, of course. So it's really a hypothetical question. Yeah. Uh, well, we're getting closer to getting on the planet and then um, uh, having a more of a detailed look on what's underneath it and what's in it and... Apparently there's a bit of water on Mars. They reckon we could live on it one day. Well, they're digging around looking for stuff on Mars, and uh, yes, they found a little bit of water, which is uh, encouraging for the idea that you could put, they could put a uh, a colony there. But a uh, fairly hot, inhospitable place to live, I might add. <laughs> and Cindy, you might be able to Google some 2020 conversations that have dealt with this very topic in a little more depth than we're able to go into today. So, uh, But yeah. thank you there. That's uh, great for your uh, contribution. Thanks so much for calling today. It's 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You might also want to respond to our Facebook question today, which asks, us, which asks is... If, evolution, if teaching evolution to children fuels racism, abortion, euthanasia and radical gender theory, would teaching creation have a different outcome? Uh, let's talk about some of these other things. Uh, institutionalised racism, yes, a direct link to evolutionary theory. Uh, censoring of science, we sort of talked a little bit about that, the way that happens, Don. Uh, discrimination in education policies and, and of course, the revision of history. Uh, those are all big things that are happening as a result of changes to the curriculum. Exactly. We've just talked here about the uh, science curriculum, but there's a lot of other stuff too, like the critical race theory, as it's called, has been smuggled into this uh, uh, suggested curriculum. And uh, critical race theory is not about getting rid of racism. It actually is racist at its core. 
because critical race theory judges people on the basis of their skin color or their race and says if you're a black person you're oppressed if you're a white person you're the oppressor um, so it judges people on the basis of their skin color or their race and uh, of course uh, that is the essence of racism and that's being reinforced because this is the critical race theory that has found its way into the modern vernacular, the way people talk about life. Uh, it's something here that uh, the discussion about that being embedded in our social systems, in our legal system, in the policies that governments are bringing out. So there's an institutionalization of that racism in that. Uh, so uh, and coming back to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, verse 28, uh, there is a solution in God that mm. we are all one in Christ Jesus. Yep. And how you grapple with all of that and uh, all of the differences that you might feel, you can soon very quickly come to the conclusion that uh, under God we are one and we're not divided. But we have this instance of division coming in the critical race theory. And even as we're talking about this today, uh, talking evolution and creation. Let's take some more calls. John is on the line from Boona in Queensland. Hello, John. Welcome. Well, hey, mate. I'm listening to myself on live radio, so I'm trying to not... Oh, no, wait. It's not cracking up. It's all good. Hey, um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask was in regards to aliens. Now, I know you just said something about it before. Did you say that there's zero evidence for aliens? Oh, the lady was talking. Talk, the lady was asked about fossil, know, fossils yeah. on other planets. But in conjunction and, with that, yeah, it was like yeah. another um, side subject. She was saying, "Well, I thought I heard you said that there's no evidence for aliens. Is that correct?" No, uh, well, that's correct. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not here to have like a rebuttal. I'm just asking for your wisdom. Um, isn't there a lot of evidence that aliens do exist, and not proof, but evidence? Uh, yeah, well, you make a good distinction between evidence and proof. But no, there's lots of UFOs, unidentified flying objects and weird experiences that people have had and so on. Uh, this is a huge topic. And as Neil said, I think we've dealt with this. In fact, uh, you, yep. Gary, Gary Bates was on here, wasn't he? I think Some it was Gary ago. Bates. Uh, there's a number of conversations we've had over the years. On uh, 2020. So far so, as, yeah, yeah. So, uh, when it comes to aliens and what is a creation perspective on aliens, yes, you'll find some uh, conversations. And if you Google those, you'll find some podcast conversations where you can get into that in some more depth. But uh, but when we talk about evidence here, uh, people will say, I saw a light flashing across the sky or uh, I've seen the photos and I've mm. seen the flying saucers. Mm. Uh, there's all sorts of. Uh, things uh, that you know, and perhaps they've been proved to be hoaxes, where uh, you know you've, you're seeing the uh, the alien laid out on the slab, and well, we've we've captured a dead alien. Uh, this idea of uh, evidence, people think that is evidence because it's been publicised. Any thoughts there? Well, Don? also people conditioned to think of it in a certain way. Um, so, uh, as I said, uh, uh, John, it's uh, you're from beautiful Boona. Yeah, beautiful Boona. <laughs> yep. Um, it's a huge topic, and uh, we have quite a bit of stuff on creation.com. If you go on there and look up aliens, uh, Gary Bates has done a lot of study on aliens. He's, he's actually attended the the uh, the big meeting uh, in the United States uh, that they have every every year or so, uh, where all the UFO UFO people gather together. 
But there's been a universal experience of people who have experienced, had personal experiences, for example, of being abducted by aliens and, and operated on all these sorts of things, and that is there's an occultic connection. Uh, so, and uh, when they came to faith in Christ and left behind the occult, those experiences stopped. So this is a key to understanding what's going on here. Uh, so I don't believe there's such a thing as real aliens from a, a real distant planet somewhere else sort of visiting us or anything like that. But they are, there are, there are in a sense real beings, but they're, they're demonic manifestations effectively uh, to deceive people. And the messages from these aliens are things like, we're coming to save you. Uh, you hang in there, we're coming to save you. What does that sound like? It sounds like an alternative gospel. Okay, John, I hope that is some sense uh, adding to an answer to your question. No doubt there'll be a lot of searching that needs to go on and uh, and sometimes a conversation like this today which doesn't cover that in depth may be the spark to look a little deeper. We've actually got a, a, a documentary on this, um, Alien Intrusion, and a book, Alien Intrusion. Uh, it's a very, very good documentary. Uh, look up that on creation.com. You can actually stream it now. Uh, stream the documentary uh, on aliens. I'd highly recommend it. Alien Intrusion, and you can access that, creation.com. And we've run out of time, Don, but a good conversation today insofar as the encouragement for listeners to make their own contribution to the submissions that are being received by the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority. And uh, while we're talking about a review of the Australian National Curriculum, you can appreciate that there are some challenges there, that really creation is left out of the curriculum. If we come just quickly to that question I was asking uh, listeners on Facebook, if teaching evolution to children fuels racism, abortion, euthanasia and radical gender theory, would teaching creation have a different outcome? A quick response for you here, uh, Don, uh, because... uh, (laughs) Uh, I mean, I know you're going to say, of course, there's a different outcome, but uh, perhaps just maybe topping off our conversation. Any thoughts there? Uh, yes, a huge, huge difference in the outcome. Uh, some of the Christian schools I've visited, where they teach a whole holistic uh, curriculum, which includes really good evidence for creation, and and the students are confident that what the Bible teaches about history is true. Um, they still have to learn the national curriculum and stuff like that, but they understand why it doesn't work. And uh, those kids have a smile on their face. They have a bounce in their step uh, compared to schools that that, uh, just teach the national curriculum uh, without any uh, contradiction to it. Well, we might even be able to say that faith in Christ, faith in God, brings optimism for your life. But if you simply leave God out of the equation, you are only faced with a pessimistic future. Exactly right, yeah. So, uh, Don, uh, wonderful getting your insights today. Uh, So for those wanting to make that submission to the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, you'll find a link at the ACARA website, acara.edu.au. For those who want some more detail about some of the things that were raised over this last half hour, creation.com. And I always love to point you to the idea that you can do a search on the creation.com site More than 10,000 articles that will tackle almost every question you could possibly come up with. 
creation.com. Dr. Don Batten is at the helm of Creation Ministries. Don, always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Great, great to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.